Hi there and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is made by fans for fans and where the content is absolutely free. And as I say to you every week, guys, it's not just the, the the pod that's free. We have lots of stuff on online for you. There's the forums. Uh, we've got articles, previews, match reviews, all that kind of stuff. There's uh, a history archive on there as well. It's all original, independent, and free content. Uh, free content, sorry, done by us for you. It is episode 110 of the Jersnet podcast. Can you believe it? You know we're into triple figures now. Uh, I'm your host for tonight. Uh, I'm Colin Armstrong. Uh, if you're a first-time listener, we would ask you to subscribe to the spot, uh, the spot, the, the pod, uh, leave a comment, share it on social media, all that kind of a stuff. Uh, we've got over 3,000 uh, subscribers now, so thanks to everyone who has subscribed so far. Uh, the pod is live tonight. It's a Sunday night, but uh, it will be available to stream or download on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, uh, Castbox, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, so it's a Sunday night, as I said there. It's the end of what has been a very, very positive week for Rangers. Well, obviously, we won the game last week against Celtic. Uh, at Celtic Park, 2-0, squished it. Great result in Europe and a fantastic goal, which we'll come on to talk talk about later on in the show uh, from KMR Roof. And, and a fairly, I mean, it wasn't a great game today, but another victory uh, leading into hopefully another good week this week, going back into the Europa League stuff uh, and a big game at Kelly next week. So it seems to be all going very well. And to put the, the, the icing on the cake, so to speak, Celtic dropped further points today up at uh, Aberdeen. So all going very well. It feels like there's a bit of momentum behind Rangers at the moment and we're definitely heading in the right direction. So lots to talk about and it's all fairly positive. Uh, in terms of guests, uh, we've got Ross tonight, my co-host, who is the host with the most officially because his show last week was so successful. It's now had more hits than any other uh, of our previous shows. So uh, I get it up, you Ross. Uh, any complaints can be forwarded to my secretary <laughs> to ensure that they will reach me in due course. I was, do you know what? No, last week it was a good show because, I mean, what a week for us, obviously. Uh, scrolling it over in, in the East End of Glasgow, and uh, there was a real sort of feel-good factor last week, which I have to say I was a wee bit nervous about how it would carry on through the week and picked up a phenomenal result on Thursday and then again today, which would have been a potential banana skin for us. So, I mean... I, I, the old firm shows they always tend to do well if, if we've won. So I, it was a it was a good week, and obviously, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Which is why I'm back here. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, 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 I listened last week because obviously I was rested. I was put on the bench. Uh, like Jermaine before, you know, the guy that comes on and you know every now and again for the wee games. You know, what I mean, that's that's where I am now uh, in the sort of pecking order. And, and yeah, you done well. It was good. I believe it was your first old firm game where you've you've been on and we've actually won. It was. I so my my record for those old firm podcasts has been absolutely atrocious, and it's um it was nice to to sort of break that break that duck and and be able to be proud of the team after an old firm for a change. So 
Hi, it was good. I would obviously, uh, everyone knows the result, everyone knows how we played, but if you wanted to go back and relive that, um, it's certainly worth firing back through the old episodes and, and having a wee listen. Yeah, as it's certainly worth an hour of your time. And and after all, guys, that's all it'll cost you. Uh, an hour of your time. Uh, have you done any notes for tonight's show, Ross? Um no, my, my my pen ran out of ink. Uh, I think I think our, our, it, we've got a, a deputant tonight, and he's putting us both to shame because mm. I hear he's, he's he's built up quite a dossier of notes. How are you, Dougie? I'm very well, thank you very much, Colin. Um, a very good week to make my debut on the show as well. It is. I want to get you on more often if this is the sort of run of form we're going to be on. And 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 how many pages of notes have you got there? Because you've already pointed out that my agenda's nonsense. <laughs> just, just, just picked up the one or two flaws, Colin. Um, <laughs> just the one or two. <laughs> um, just, 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 just the six pages of notes for tonight. Oh, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. It, I mean, I've got, I mean, I've got all of none. <laughs> I just go on and wing it. You know what I mean? We've certainly got a lot to talk about. Yeah, uh, as, as you say, it's been a, it's been a great week for the club, and uh, it, it feels like a long, long time. I must admit, since I've kind of felt this positive about Rangers, you know, it's even under Gerrard, the, the result it was always like six or seven games, and then a blip. You know, it was so many steps forward, and then you know, two steps back, kind of thing. But this season so far, touch you know, touch wood, it, it all seems very good. So, in terms of what we'll look at tonight, guys, obviously we'll talk about the Livingston game tonight. There was a standard Liège game on Thursday. Have a wee discussion around the, the SPFL contingency plans, you know, to deal with COVID and all that kind of stuff, and a quick sneak preview at the game at uh, Kilmarnock next week. Uh, but we're not going to look at the, the European game, uh, the Liège Poznan game, because hopefully, uh, if if we can get enough bodies around, we'll, we'll do a wee preview show through the week. Uh, for that. So on to the Livingston uh, game, Ross, I'll come to you first. You know, after such a, a positive week, and, and, and in terms of, you know, two huge games, you know, the game at Celtic Park last week, game uh, in, in uh, Belgium on Thursday night, it, it did kind of feel like a lesser game, and I'm not, I'm not being disrespectful to Livingston there, you know, it was a third of the, the three games of the week in, in, in terms of, you know, status and all that kind of thing but you've still got to be professional and see it out uh, and and I thought you know first half Rangers played okay you know uh, they got the fairly early goal through a rebo uh, and then they got that, that great goal which we'll come on to talk about uh, from Defoe he's 300th second half I thought we were a bit sluggish but overall it, it felt like a fairly routine victory to me is is that how it felt to you? Absolutely. I think that the first thing to say, though, is that in terms of importance on paper for the for the league and for points, this was as important as the Celtic game last Saturday. Um, so there was no, you know, there, there's no leeway or there's no excuse for not taking this game seriously. And, and Rangers came out and in the first 20 minutes, they did all the business they had to do. And in a way, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm quite pleased to see that because obviously you know, we've all been on this show talking about Rangers struggling to break down stuffy defences and organised units. So Rangers come out within 20 minutes, they're two goals up and they, you know, with the, with the best will in the world, Livingston are not going to pose us two goals worth of problems at Ibrooks. So you can actually kind of allow the lads to to, to take it a wee bit easier and, and it's a monumental effort that they've put in over the last seven or eight days. Um, they actually, by coming out and doing all the business in the first 20 minutes, they bought themselves the luxury of, of being sluggish or being a bit more careless and 
and, and taking it easier. And, and I don't begrudge them that at all. You know, there's there's absolutely no way that they can be as clinical, as efficient as they were in the previous two games, you know, consistently and indefinitely. So for them to come out and 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 play the way they did for the first 20 minutes, get the two goals and then allow them allow themselves some breathing room. I've, I have absolutely no concerns about that at all. I agree that the second half, it was it was a wee bit of a bore and a bit of a chore to watch. You know, the, I, I don't remember a great deal of it. Um, but this was the kind of game that can be a real potential banana skin to Rangers. Um, maybe not, not so much because it was at Ibrooks, but we have struggled against teams like Livingston in the past. You know, last season we, we lost to Hamilton at home. So, it was the kind of game that after such a momentous week and such a huge amount of effort that obviously had to be put in uh, in Liège on Thursday. I mean, don't underestimate the physical toll that that kind of heavy pitch would have taken on them. That would, that would have been some some real physical exertion and, and the players would have been tired from the travelling. And um, I, I'm actually quite proud of the way that they came out so you know, tenacious early doors, got the two goals and, and you know allowed themselves the, the time to to take that game a little bit easier. Uh, Doogie, coming to you, there was, a, there was quite a change in personnel today. I was I was a wee bit surprised at how many changes there were. You know, uh, Barisic was obviously he a wee twinge through the week, so he was left out. Arfield and Kamara were left out. I was really surprised at that. And Morelos uh, were all left out. You know, obviously the four came in for him. Aribo came in in the middle of the park, and you know, and, and, and Ryan Jack started again today in, in, in the league. It, it used to be, and then the previous two seasons under Gerard, it's, it's kind of felt when he, he tinkered the squad so much, which you've got to do, especially when you've got European games, you know, midweek games and all the rest of it. You've, you've got to sort of rotate. But when, whenever he tinkered too much, it did feel like we took a big dunt in quality. It didn't feel like that to me today. It, is that now a sign? And I, and I did notice that Gary McAllister said in his sort of, a post-match interview that he feels that they've got two players for every position now. Is there a sign there now at Rangers that there is strength and depth and, it, and it's probably the first time that Gerrard's had that in his squad? Yes, I think we've got the opportunity right now to rotate the squad um, without compromising the quality. Um, when you look at the changes both for the standard game midweek and, and obviously every today, I, I think I think all the changes are deliberate as well. You know, um, he, he rested Hollander midweek because Hollander had a knock. He rested Barisic today because Barisic had a knock. He rested Davis midweek because Davis um, is getting on in age. Um, he he wanted to rest Arfield because Arfield had uh, he wanted to rest Arfield today because Arfield had um, eight starts in a row. Um, and he wanted to bring in Aribo to get Aribo some some much needed game time after a lengthy spell off. But the one change that I, I do want to spend a moment to reflect on is 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 Defoe starting because um, I actually called four I, I called the four, the first four of the five changes um, in in my chat with my mates. The one that I got wrong was Defoe starting, and I don't think there's many who would have called Defoe being our first choice centre forward for today. Um, but I did predict that Morelos would drop out. Um, Morelos didn't have a particularly great game against Standard. Um, before the pre-match press conference from Gerard, I, I predicted that um, Roof would start. But it was obvious from that press conference when Gerard was talking about protecting Roof and, and gradually bringing him in that Roof wouldn't start. 
Um, but when he said that, I then assumed Eton would start. And I think um, Eton could probably feel a little bit hard done by in terms of not getting given that start. But when the game kicked off, you could see why Defoe started for me. You know, Gerard spoke about Defoe being hungry. He, he looked hungry. Um, but it was more around the the position that Defoe was taking up. And you've seen it in the goal, and I know we're going to come on to it. But I think um, we played a clear tactic to exploit the, the Levy defence, and in particular, Effie Ambrose. So many times throughout the game, there was a long diagonal ball being played from, from either Tav or from Goldson. And that's where we got the Defoe goal from. And um, I don't think there's anybody else in our squad that would be capable of making that run and finishing the way that Jermaine Defoe done. Um, 300 career goals that that that's um, that was a top quality finish from a top quality player today Yeah it's an interesting point I hadn't really considered that you know we've got three sort of strikers that all offer different things uh, I think it was Kevin Thompson that mentioned through commentary that we were getting a lot of joy with the sort of uh, the, the longer more direct balls from, from goals and and, uh, and from Tav so aye that's an interesting point and it was it was a, good, it was a great finish we'll come on and talk about it later but it was a it was a superb finish. Uh, Ross, uh, coming back to yourself, uh, the other player that sort of came in today, he's been out, you know, for most of the season, uh, was Aribo, and he, and he, he was in a, a really good sort of vein of form when he went out, you know, and I think there was a feeling that we would we would miss him, and it, and it would it would hurt our sort of ambitions uh, in, in our league campaign. But it's not really turned out that way, you know. The guys that have come in and, and, and replaced him, boys like Arfield and all the rest of it, have done very very well. Now, he took his goal well very early on. Uh, I actually thought the foe could have could have finished that chance, but you know it's came back, sort of ricocheted about the box, played across, and he's and he's finished it well. I mean, everyone, Kevin Thompson again, going back to Kevin Thompson on Rangers TV today, he was it's almost waxing lyrical about Aribo in terms of you know he's seen a lot of him in pre-season and he is heavily tipping him to to be a huge player for us this season. And to be fair, it did look like that in, in the earlier games before his injury. So how important do you think, you know, keeping him fit will be for Rangers this season? Well, it's a, it's a funny one because uh, whilst I'm, I'm absolutely delighted, of course, that we haven't struggled in his absence, I don't think there's any doubt that Joe Aribo makes us a better team. And he offers something that I don't think anyone else in, in the squad offers. Um, you know, he's, he's a very creative player, but not in the same way as a Jordan Jones or a Brandon Barker. You know, it's not get the ball down and run with pace and try and get it in the box. He, he's he's close control and he's take a player on and he just has, sort of has that, I don't know, spark or creativity that you don't actually often see in, in, in the Scottish game. Um, so I, I think he is certainly one of our strongest assets and I absolutely believe that he makes us makes us stronger. Um, I, whether that means that we wouldn't have drawn the games that we drew had he been available, I, you know, but, I'm not sure that's fair to say, but um, the goal itself, you know, I, I agree Defoe could have, um, maybe should have put that away, but credit to to Yanis Hadji, I think, for having the, I don't know, the, the composure to pick out Aribo in the way that he did. Um, it, you know, Joe Aribo's form in pre-season was, of course, excellent. And I remember watching the pre-season friendlies on Rangers TV and getting excited. And it's a shame it's a shame the way his season has been disrupted, but you know, again, commentary on Rangers TV today. Kevin Thompson said that we're looking for players who can play fifty games a season, and you know, if Joe Aribo misses eight, nine, ten games, then in in the grand scheme of things, and the number of games we want to play this year, it's it's not a huge amount. So, 
I think he will have a, a, a massive role for us. I think he's good domestically and good in Europe. I think he, he doesn't shy away from the bigger games. I think you could see what it meant to him as well to score today. I mean, he, he's usually one of these characters who's, in, in interviews, he comes across as a little bit more reserved and a little bit more docile. Uh, but you could see what it meant to him to come back into the squad and, and get that goal. So I think I think it's probably been a very, very frustrating time for him. Um, you know, on when it comes to the points and the goals we scored at the end of the day, it doesn't seem like we've missed him. But I'm absolutely delighted to have him back available. Doogie, coming back to you, and you've you kind of covered some of it, you know, earlier on when, when you were talking about the players that came in today. Now, the four got his 300th career goal uh, today, and I, I don't think he, he could have wished for a better goal. The, it was just so simple and, it's, and, and a sign of a natural striker, in my opinion. You know, he was so composed. Just a one-touch finish. It reminded me a wee bit of Jelovic's goal against Hearts a, a, a few seasons ago uh, at Tynecastle. It was a kind of similar thing, you know, long ball uh, over the defence and, and a sort of one-touch finish. Now, he is, he is getting on, and I, th- I think he is at that stage in his career where we're going to pick and choose when, you know, when he gets game time and all the rest of it. But, I mean, the, the, the finish showed that they're still... There's still a lot of quality there. You know, he's obviously not got the legs. He's not going to give you 90 minutes every week. But every now and again, like today, he's going to provide uh, a good option. And and surely that's good. You know, we've got Morelos, who personally I'm surprised that he's still there. But, you know, you've got Morelos, who's someone who likes to get sort of touch tight and battle with defenders. You've got Ruth, who I think looks like someone who's going to, you know, bring others into play very well. He links up the play very well and finishes very well. But the four... He's a different kind of finisher, but it seems to me he scores more times than he doesn't when he gets game time. And surely that's a good option for Rangers. Yeah, that's life in the old dog yet. Um, you know when Rangers have scored um, a good goal, when you get text messages off of your non-Rangers supporting mates. My phone lit up, as I'm sure most people's did, when Ruth scored midweek. Um, and I get the occasional text today um, from, from mates south of the border. When Defoe scored his goal, because it was a very good goal, um, I did say earlier on, I think he's the only player capable of, of scoring that goal. I do think he's a fourth choice centre-forward these days. I think he's he's here because of um, his experience, his influence in the dressing room. But there's absolutely still going to be times where Jermaine Defoe is the man to play for Rangers, whether that's starting or off the bench. Um, but it's probably more likely that he'll come off the bench. And, and for me... Um, you, you spoke about the different options that we've got there. If, if we are drawing nothing each in a game and you want to change your style, you've got the opportunity to play it long to someone like Ethan, um, have um, the ball in and around the box for, for a penalty box finisher like Jermaine Defoe, or um, you know, you've got the difference of, of Ruth, uh, who you said, uh, someone who's, who's capable of linking the play up, and Mirellas, who for me is, is pro- probably still the best suited player for European football because he's capable of holding the ball up um, allowing Rangers to move up in possession but it's great to have those four options because I do think throughout this season there's there's going to be different games where we need to use those different options Sorry I was talking on mute there, sorry (laughs) Ah, You've you've, you've made great points there Guys I'll I'll, I'll run this one past past the two years there uh, now it's seven straight wins for Rangers. Uh, we've now played everyone in the league at least once. No one's beat us. Uh, it definitely feels like there's a bit of momentum in the squad at the moment. 
Now, I do believe, I know Ross is too young to remember it, and um, going by the conversation we had before we came on air, Dougie, I think you'll be the same. But I remember, like, in, in the 1992-93 season, it was round about October time, you know, we, we, we got the Leeds games, we got those out of the road, we had the the League Cup final early on, you know, we beat Aberdeen, and it was round about October, November, we started to feel that, you know, there was something in this team. And it, it, obviously, I, I didn't think we were going to get within a goal of the Champions League final, but it certainly felt like the, a treble was up for the grabs and all that kind of thing. Now, I'm not saying that this team's going to win a treble, but there certainly feels like there's a bit of momentum behind this team at the moment. Would you agree with that, Ross? Yeah, absolutely. I think Clive Tilsley sums it up quite nicely today, actually, when he, he sort of alluded to the comfort or the ease with which Rangers are racking up the routine wins. And, you know, I, I was just having a look back through our fixtures there and the results that we've had over the past few weeks. And, you know, so it's obviously, well, just looking at the league, the, the old firm was as easy as it's been for a number of years. Ross County a couple of weeks before that wasn't particularly enjoyable to watch, but, you know, we weren't caused too many problems. And then before that, you're, you're looking at Motherwell, who we beat 5-1. And it's, it's the ease with which we're dispatching of these teams without really causing any problems, without having any stress or difficulty or, you know, relying on a, a late winner or anything like that. So there does feel like there's something about this team. There does feel a certain air of invincibility about the team, you know, and, and that's, like you say, that's not to say that we'll go through this season without being, without being beaten. But we've played everyone in the league now. We haven't lost to anyone. We've drawn two and I think we've conceded three goals. I mean, that's that's staggering when you think about it. Three goals to be conceded after the first round of fixtures. So, yeah, th- th- there does feel like there's something special about this group. But what's interesting about that is that the group hasn't been radically overhauled since last year. You know, the, the, the core of that team is exactly the same with one or two supplements or one or two enhancements. So it feels like, I don't know, maybe there's been a, a shift in the mentality of the players that are holding themselves a bit differently. They have a slightly different outlook or different mindset. Um, and obviously that's kind of, yeah, it's led to some form of implosion over in the other end of the city and, and all of these factors coming together. It, it does fill me with a, a, a massive deal of optimism. Well, but yourself, Dougie, I, I mean, even even with regards to Gerard, you know, I think the first four or five games in, in his first season. You know, we drew at Pataudry in the, the first game, then we drew at Motherwell a couple of games later. You know, and then last season there was a slight improvement, but every now and again you'd get a wee done. But this year it just seems to be, there's a lot more focus. Uh, you know, th- th- there seems to be just this mentality in the squad that they're, they're going to get the job done. And that, and, that, and that includes Europe as well. Yeah, Gerard's a young manager. Um you know, he's only three years into his managerial career. He spoke about the Aberdeen game and the opening game of his his campaign. Um, he was still learning. Um, I think he's learned a lot. You can see it in the way we play. We've got a real identity to the way we play football now. Um, it's something that our, our neighbours across the other side of the city are probably lacking at the moment. Um, Ross touched on it. Our defensive record's astounding. Only three goals conceded in the league, four overall this season. Um, from a mentality perspective, though, I think that's the biggest thing. You know. We've, we've brought in better players that, that equip ourselves um, for different challenges that allows us to mix and match um, depending on your opposition. But it's a mentality. Ross touched on it there. We, we do have a different look about us at the moment. 
Um, Connor Golden was actually on TalkSport, I think it was before the Standard game, it was definitely after the Celtic game, um, and he actually spoke very differently. You know, in previous campaigns after beating Celtic, everyone would be on a high. You see it in the difference in the celebrations. Could be different because there was no crowd in, um, but when we beat Celtic at Celtic Park last season, everyone remembers the scenes where Steven Gerrard was, was up at the camera, everyone was in at the crowd. This time around, it felt like business as usual. And that's the way it should be at Rangers. Um, and it's a good sign when we are comfortable winners, when we're not playing at our best. I think you've made a good point. I think Ross and the guys touched on it last week. Uh, you know, Gerard made comments after the win uh, on Saturday against Celtic about we have to be humble. And I think, you know, I think he's felt a bit stung by the, by the sort of reaction to his celebrations in December, considering what happened. You know what I mean? You know, he put his face in the camera and the players all celebrated. I think the crowd does have something to do with it, but I think that's a, a good point. I think there is a marked change in how Rangers uh, are conducting themselves at the moment when they win games. It, it's, it's true what you're saying. There's not the same sort of euphoria. See, the crowd's maybe part of that, but I do think the lessons have been learned, I think. Now, whether that takes us over the line is, 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 uh, is yet to be seen, but I think it bodes well. I think I think we're a different a different beast and a different animal this season. Guys, moving on to Thursday night. Colin, uh, Colin, can sorry, I just make one more point. I'm going to say something. One more to to, to kind of um, give a different angle on things because I seen a stat today on Twitter, which is um, we're only one point better than what we were last year. And I think when you're talking there about um, Gerard remaining humble. I think it's because when you look at that stat in itself and all the positivity that we have just now, now I'm not taking away the positivity because we are playing very good football and we look different. The bit I was going to point to there was was when Goldson was on Talk Sport and speaking about um, the old firm performance, he spoke about moving on to the next game. And that's that's what I like to hear. But I think it's I think it's that realization that we are only one point better than we were last year. We didn't win the league last year. So therefore there is a real focus amongst the players and the management team that we need to move on to the next game and win the next game. You know, Ross said earlier on that um, today was as important as the Celtic game. For me, the mentality that this team needs to have is the next game is the most important game of our season. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's what good teams do. You know, it's it's you, you do your you, you do your job, sorry, and then just move on to the next game. But I do I do think there's a difference. There's also a difference. I mean, a lot of the positivity around that's happening now now is because of another team's form at the moment. I mean, if we're only one point better off, then you know the team over the road are a few points worse off. So, and that makes us feel better. But I do think we are a different animal this season. Uh, I know we've said it before, but it, it does feel a bit different this season. Uh, and, and as I said, even in Europe, and, and that's that's where we'll go now. Now, Ross, I, I don't know where you were on Thursday night. I'm assuming you were just uh, in the house. I know you, you're quite enjoying a away trip, but given you wouldn't have got in, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you didn't bother on Thursday. But a, a, a good performance and a great result on Thursday night against Standard Liège. And another first for Gerard, I think it was Alex that's pointed out, you know, he's, he's never won a, an away game in the group stages and and now he's done that and and, and there is that box ticking exercise that Gerard seems to be doing all these things that he's not done he, he seems to be getting them done now and that bodes well but in, in terms of the performance and result on Thursday night what did you think of that? Um, well I, I think first of all it was it was going to be a tricky tie um, 
A lot was made of standards or standard, if you're allegory. Um, a lot was made of their <laughs> sort of defensive records and, and how well they've done at home in Europe. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, there's something about this team that I, I went into that game knowing knowing that we'd get the result. You know, that was that was nowhere near the trickiest European tie we faced uh, over the last three seasons. So um, the, the guys had a, a game plan that they executed very, very well. But what most impressed me, I think, actually, was when the weather turned and when that pitch became a swamp. We we sort of had the the intel uh, the intelligence or the intellect to deal with it. So we stopped trying to play the ball on the deck. We stopped trying to do nice little triangles and passes and we started lifting it and it worked. And we, we, you know, of course we got caught out with the ball holding up in the water, but we didn't get caught out as much as standard did. So, uh, you know, I think obviously we'll come on to talk about the goal, which is, uh, you know, utterly staggering. Um, but I was really, really pleased with the performance. Again, that's the second game in a row, probably in our two, arguably our two toughest games of the season on paper, where we have not allowed a single shot on target. We had more shots on target from our own half than Standard did on our goal. Um, and it, yeah, it was a classic, perfect European away performance. And uh, what a way to start that, that campaign because it was a potentially tricky tie. Um, we go over to Belgium 2-0. By the way, playing in front of fans, that, that that I think that could have had some kind of psychological factor or some kind of mental impact to be to be playing in front of hostile fans again. Um, and it just didn't phase us. The weather didn't phase us. The pitch didn't phase us. Nothing phased us. And um, all in all, that's a very, very successful day. Dougie, I, th- I think Ross makes a valid point there. I mean, I, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I, I knew we would get the result. But it, it certainly feels like different times for Rangers in Europe at the moment. I felt confident we would get the result. Whereas, you know, traditionally, when, when you're going away from home in Europe, you're always a wee bit, oh, could be a tight, you know, if we get a draw, as long as we don't lose, that kind of thing. But I felt fairly confident that we, we could come away with something eh, on, on Thursday night there. Tav got the, 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 opening, the opening goal from the spot. First question, no doubts about the, the penalty, really. I mean, it, it looked fairly blatant. No doubts about the penalty um, decision. No doubts about the penalty kick. Um, I'm a Tav fan. Anyone who follows me knows that I'm a Tav fan. Um, I, I made a joke about it on Twitter today that at the beginning of the season, when I'd done a squad review, I said that Rangers had the two best fullbacks in the country. Uh, and I was mocked by some of our own support for saying that. I don't think there'll be many doubters um, out there right now, both from, from Tav and Barisic. Um, Going back to Tav as a penalty kick taker, though, Tav is our best penalty kick taker. Um, he, he, he's, he's, he's very calm, he's very composed when he's hit his penalty kick. Obviously, he had a, a, a pretty bad run of penalty kicks, um, which led to Morelos hitting the penalty kick against Celtic in the cup final. Um, but I'm glad to see he's got that confidence back because um, Barry Ferguson actually said today, I think it was at post-match, that... Um, Tav right now is playing like a Rangers captain and, and that's high praise from um, arguably one of the best Rangers captains of, of my lifetime. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about Barry being one of the best. You know, I don't understand the stick that Barry gets. In, in terms of Tav, you know, 
I think we spoke about this in the pod before. You know, there, there has been times, I, th- I think the criticism he gets has been warranted at times. You know, he has made errors, same as Goldson. The one thing I would say about Goldson and Tav, whenever they do make errors, statistically they, they do tend to lead to goals and that leads to criticism. And and, and that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not a big fan of people, you know, I've, I've seen people tweeting players directly to criticise them and all that kind of thing. I'm not overly keen on that. But I think some of the... the the criticism that Tav received was was merited. But this season, I think Barry's right. I think he is playing like a captain. His consistency is incredible. Uh, his consistency from the spot, you know, you know, looking back on it, you're kind of thinking, I wish he had taken that, that penalty in the cup final last season against Celtic. But that particular time, it wasn't quite going for him. But this season, yeah, I, I think he looks, I think him and Golden both look like men on a mission. That they, they know what's required now. They've been over the, the, the ground you know, two or three years now and they know what they need to do. They know where the errors have happened and what's 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 caused the problems. So yeah, I, 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 I think I agree. I think he does look like a captain now. Absolutely. Guys, coming to the goal, uh, well, first thing, Ross, <laughs> a wee quick thing. The, have you ever seen weather like that? Have you ever seen a pitch look so good and then 15 minutes later look almost unplayable? I mean, you were giving it on the the WhatsApp at one stage, you, you thought the game might be abandoned. I, I was, I was worried. I was, I was really worried. Um, no, I, I, I actually, I think I heard it before I saw it. I could, I thought it was sort of static or interference on the feed. Um, but no, my, I mean, so I, I mean, I don't know if if this is allowed, and I don't know if they'll thank me for saying it. But I, mean, I think a lot of people know I used to live in Luxembourg, which is two hours drive away from Liège, and I had members of the Luxembourg True Blues who are friends of mine who managed to get tickets through the Liège uh, Luxembourg Supporters Club. And they were texting me saying that they'd you know, never seen weather like it. Um, so I, I couldn't, I was getting really, really worried and really nervous about um, about abandonment. I was Googling UEFA protocols, what happened to the game's <laughs> abandonment and it got to 80 minutes and I was I was comfortable that even if it was abandoned, they'd probably give us the result anyway. So, I, I and, and again, credit credit to the, the players because you can't really train for that. You know, you're not going to go and do drills in a, in a swimming pool. So, they, they had to find a way through it and they coped better. They coped uh, better than Liège did and, and that's why they got the result. Now, guys, we'll come on to the, the, the moment of the match. Now, the weather played a bit of a partner, I felt, because uh, I can't remember the boy's name, but Liège had a chance to equalise right at the death. And it seemed to me that he misread the, the, the sort of flight of the ball, so to speak, because of the weather. And then we managed to get it away. Uh, Dougie, the, the goal for Roof. Now, uh, Gerard says it's the best he's, he's seen live. Uh, the BBC went, <laughs> BBC Scotland done everything they could to sort of discredit that the following day. Now, I, from my point of view, I think these finishes are, are always slightly overrated. You know, I, I thought the Beckham goal was overrated. Uh, you know, Charlie Adams done it a few times. Wayne Rooney's done it. Uh, Alonso at Liverpool. You know, I, I, I do think that the, if a player sees a goalkeeper off the line, if he hits it on target, he's in with a chance. You know, if there's enough weight in it, uh, and it's on target, and the keeper's far enough out, he's in with a chance. However, for me, the difference with this one is when he picks the ball out just outside his own 18-yard box, you know, he has two sort of stubby challenges. He beats another couple of guys. 
and he's not central. He's kind of between the, the, the centre circle and the, and, the, and the sort of throw-in line. You know, and he just sort of quickly looks up. So it's it's what he does to put himself in, into the position. Once he realises the keeper's off his line, if he gets it right, he's in with a chance. But in, t- in terms of those types of goal, I don't think there's any doubt. It's the best I've ever seen. Colin, first things first, I want you to go down to the park tomorrow morning. Go um, beyond the halfway line and see if you can hit the target <laughs> the way that they've done. Can um, I can I just can I just say I done it against the anchor <laughs> in, in 1996 in the Falkirk District League, <laughs> Falkirk District Sunday Amateur League. <laughs> anyway, that uh, was 20 odd years ago. I kind of kicked the ball <laughs> 10 yards now. <laughs> Video evidence that it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think in terms of the comparison to the goals that you mentioned, it's right up there. Um, it's better to be honest. It, it set the Europa League record for furthest um, goal um, scored with 54.6 yards. But I think it's a build-up that makes it so special. Um, as you said, he wins the ball back, he, he beats three men, um, and he, he he takes a shot on from, from inside his own half. Um, I loved Ross stat, Rossi's stat there, where he said that we had more shots on their goal from our own <laughs> half than they did on ours. Um, good, good work. I love that one. Um, but the keeper's reaction was brilliant as well because the keeper's, the keeper's I gone down. Got cramp. <laughs> it's hilarious. I, I love the fact that he pretended he had cramp. Um, but one of the things, I, I was chatting um, to a few people on Twitter about the best European goals that Rangers have, have scored. And one of the things that um, Martin Ramsey had said was the context of the goal always really adds a bit of weight to, to the decision that you have when you're choosing your favourite goal. Um, and I think the context of that goal is huge because um, we've spoken about standard being a very good side. You know, they were unbeaten at home in the last 16 games across six years including a draw against Arsenal last year. They are no mugs. Um, they're a very good side. Um, right before that goal, um, as you said, Colin, they had a huge chance to score. And, and we, we rode our luck in injury time. Um, when that one hits the net, though, I'm I'm on my feet. I'm, I'm screaming. Um, and I've woken up my three-year-old. So apologies to the wife <laughs> for that. Um, but I'm, I'm going to throw it out there in terms of um, my favourite ever European goal because you, you touched on you don't necessarily appreciate that, that kind of goal. My, my favourite kind of goal is a team goal. And if I was to say that my favourite kind of goal is a team goal, which which of the Rangers um, European goals do you think would be my favourite? Dortmund. Rod Wallace. 100%. Yeah. That was Loved that, that goal. It's a great right. goal. Yeah. Uh, it's such an underrated goal. You know what I mean? It, it, was, it's like 23, 24 passes or something like that. You know I mean, and I, I mean, I, I, as I said, I was there that night and it, the, the celebrations were just the, the the biggest disappointment was it didn't get us through. You know what I mean? We, we kind of threw it away in the last minute in the away leg, but uh, aye, it's just a it's just a goal that aye, it, it's better than roofs. I think I've got to be honest with you. I would agree with that. There's a few that are in there. Um, I debated on Mark Haley against Leeds and uh, spoke about Leeds earlier on. That was a cracking goal again. The context of that, the context of Stephen Whitaker against Sport Lisbon. Um, all excellent goals. Um, but I think for for that moment of, of shock, more than anything, um, because it was from his own half, um, the roof goal will, will stand out and in, in, uh, certainly in my memory um, for the rest of my life. What about yourself, Ross? Where does, where does roof's goal stand for you? I mean, I, I think we can all agree that it was a cracker. That, uh, I mean, where, where, does it, where does it lie in that sort of top Rangers goals for you? Um, 
I, I would I would rank it above above Wallace. Uh, I <gasps> think I would. Do you know why? Because I think you know when you take into consideration, you know, as as Dougie says, that the 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 content, sorry, the context of the goal is very very important, and uh, obviously that Liège missing that chance, or, or you know the the lad fluffing his lines and letting the ball run under his foot. But also things like the pitch, you know, Roof is is moving with that ball. He's traveling with a ball that's not really rolling properly on the pitch. And he holds off three challenges, goes back for one more. He's, he's off kilter, he's off center. Um, and it's the 92nd minute. That, to me, that adds to the drama. Um, but my my sort of preferred type of goal is a, is a long-range top bin effort. Um, that's me part of the soccer AM generation. So <laughs> actually, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's not the best goal that I've ever seen, but it sort of feels like it is was uh, Tavernier against Peter Head. I absolutely love that goal. I love the technique of it. I love, you know, the just the execution of of, of such a clean volley straight in the top corner at Hamden. Uh, that that for me is is almost unbeatable. Ross, I, just... I see this. Sorry, Con. I was going to say I see this all the time. I was behind the goals um, for that goal from Tav uh, with my brother-in-law and. What a hit! What what a clean hit! Um, you talk about the context of the the goal there. Um, I think that one is always underplayed, and I'm going yeah. to use the, the word only with no disrespect to Peter Head, but because it was a Challenge Cup final, it's always underplayed. But that was yeah. an incredible hit. I completely agree. I, I saw a debate today online, which was you know what what is Tab's best goal, and they're talking about oh, it's either the Peter Head volley or one of his two free kicks from that first season against Hibs. And those two free kicks, I was um, I was there for both of them. But technically, I mean, the second free kick where he scores it from a ridiculous angle because he sees the keeper stood in a stupid position is is technically wonderful. It's an incredible free kick and it's very well executed. But that 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 volley is to me, it's it's something else. And like you say, what a hit! So for me, I know I know it's not a European goal, but I think that's probably the best Rangers goal I've seen live. Can I, can I just point out, guys, that uh, 33 years ago, this very day, if we're doing the top trumps for, for top goals, I was at Hamden watching Davy Cooper ping a free kick past Jim Layton. So, do I win? <laughs> You're a lot older than us, obviously, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't win in the age front, obviously. I was only 14, to be fair. But yeah, 30, 33 years ago today, I noticed someone posting that today, that it was 33 years ago today since that cup final. My first cup final. Uh, so I uh, think I win on that one. Ross, uh, bef- bef- before we move on to, to the European stuff, a wee bit of stramash uh, at the end of it, you know, a bit of coming together with the, the players and uh, I think there was a feeling that Roof had sort of been, what's the word, disrespectful in his celebration. Uh, but again, a wee sign that maybe Rangers have improved in that area. They didn't really rise to it much. Uh, what did you make of that? Uh, I, I enjoyed watching the video. I enjoyed watching um, the players back each other up. What a, what a change that is from five or six years ago against Motherwell with Bilal Mojny. But yeah, look, I don't think he was being disrespectful because he, he made a wee A with his fingers. But you know, there's there's photos of him doing that when he was playing for Oxford. So, yeah, apparently, it's his, his daughters. It's an uh, A and an L. It's apparently his daughters and uncles. Right, unless he's got some incredible foresight of thinking I'm going to be scoring against Liège in six years' time after I'd played for Anderlecht, then I, I don't think he was being disrespectful. Um, their fans were disrespectful to him from the moment he came on. 
So even if he was being disrespectful, it's, it's hardly the worst thing I've ever seen a player do in celebration. Um, although that said, you know, it's, it's, it's nowhere near in the same league of disrespect as Andy Halliday putting an arm up in the centre circle at Castle. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, it was silly that I, I think that the coach who, who had done that should, I mean, I hope he faces some kind of reprimand from UEFA because he, he, he instigated something that was completely uncalled for. Um, uh, but uh, you know, I I think it's it's one of those things that we have a certain air of professionalism about us that water off a duck's back. We we get on the plane, get back to Glasgow with with three points, and that's all that matters. Uh, Dougie, now it's, it's as it's just been pointed out, I'm by far the oldest uh, amongst the three on the show tonight. Uh, but even for me, this feels like our most consistent run in Europe for a while, you know, and I, I don't just mean in terms of qualifying, obviously, I mean in terms of how long the run goes on for, how well we play, and, and you know, in terms of the results. I am now, I mean, Europe was always a wee bit, you know, win your home games and see what you can do away from home, and, and hopefully it's enough. I'm now confident home and away, you know what I mean? We've, we've went to Firemouth, we've went to Porto, uh, you know, we beat Galatasaray uh, a couple of weeks back there. I'm now going into most European games feeling confident. And I can't remember, even under Walter Smith, you know, even under Sunus and uh, maybe a wee bit under Dick Advocat, I, I just can't remember feeling this uh, confident going into European games. Is that how it feels like to you that we're looking like a proper European outfit now? Definitely a proper European outfit. Confident? I'm never confident. You know that? I'm always, I'm always a pessimist going into a game. Um, just a reflection on Steven Gerrard's record in Europe as Rangers manager. That that was his 36th game in charge of Rangers in Europe. We've only been beaten five times, and two of those five were against Bayer Leverkusen. Um, you talk about, I, I mentioned earlier about Steven Gerrard as a young manager learning. In the 90th minute, I was having flashbacks to the Spartak Moscow and the Young Boys games. But one of the things that you've got to say is, with the experience that we are gaining across these, these three years of, of playing in Europe, our game management has massively improved. Um, and I think we are now more than capable of, 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 of remaining calm and collected, continuing to play our game and see out the victory. Yeah, I'd agree. Absolutely. It's, it's, it, it feels odd to be a Rangers supporter and, and feel confident going into it. I mean, I think, I mean, I know we age on the Real Madrid or a Barcelona but I genuinely felt confident going into that. And in previous years, you would always go into those kind of games thinking, well, you know, you never know. And I, I think what Gerard has done, uh, actually, when you were talking there, I was, I was, I was making a comparison with what, with what Gerard's done with us as to what sort of Shankly done with Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool were in the sort of second division when Shankly arrived, you know, and he, and he turned them into a, a proper outfit. Now you consider where Rangers were coming from even in a European context, you know, after Pedro's disaster, you know, what he's done, you know, the, 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 how he's turned us around in that arena is, is nothing, uh, it's nothing short of incredible, really. And and the next thing is, obviously, we hope we get some sort of domestic success on top of that now. So, guys, moving on to the, the next thing, COVID is still here, obviously, you know, other restrictions have been announced last week there. Uh, the pubs are shut again, which all people like me don't like. Uh, and there's now a, a feeling that it could impact in football again. So the SPFL and their wisdom last week, uh, they, they issued the 42 member clubs with a questionnaire asking for feedback on how you know they should proceed. 
uh, if this season is, is sort of cut short by the current pandemic. Now, I noticed yesterday in the media, Stephen Gerrard, you know, he was calling for clarity and fairness from the SPFL. Good luck with that. Dougie, I'll come back to you in this one. Now, given all the stuff that happened at the end of last season, you know, the, the Dundee shenanigans, the, the the PDF vote that never appeared and just everything about it, it all sort of reeked. And given that, you know, the main sort of people in the, the SPFL, you know, Doncaster, particularly Murdoch McLennan and Rod McKenzie, I think, you know, these are people who are not friends of Rangers. And, you know, any non-Rangers fan listening to this pod would, would say that's paranoia, but you know, even Private Eye has, has highlighted that Murdoch McLennan is not a, a friend of Rangers and he's probably not the best person to be in that job. Now, given that distrust, how do you feel about what the SPFL are looking to do? Does it feel like a power grab? Can we trust them? You know, it just feels a bit iffy to me, I must admit. Can we trust them? I wouldn't trust the SPFL board to organise my kid's fourth birthday party. Um, you, you said it, it reeks. Um, I, I can't remember. I was I was just trying to Google there how how many months we had a break between last season and this season. Um, it was what, three four months, and that's ample time to um, to come up with the plans for the year ahead. I can't believe that some of the things that they're talking about um, now, as as we're twelve games into the campaign weren't discussed and decided before the, the campaign kicked off. And what that drives is inconsistency. You had a di- different approach to the scenarios in Aberdeen, Celtic and St Mirren. And do I want the, the SPFL board to, to have any greater power to make decisions? Absolutely not, because um, I I would worry that they would be largely inconsistent with other countries across the rest of the world. Could you imagine the SPFL make the decision to to, to, to forfeit the league early and Rangers are still competing in, um, in this season's Europa League? Or even better still, could you imagine they decided to forfeit the league this season and Celtic were still playing in last season's cup? Well, I, that, well that, that's the sort of point I'm talking about, you know, especially now that I think I'm probably more concerned because Rangers are, are playing so well. We're top of the league. You know, we, we could technically, as we're about to come on and discuss, you know, Celtic don't have a game next season. We've obviously got games in hand, but, you know, we could go nine points clear next week. And, you know, in my opinion, a precedent has been set. You know, if, if the league gets called early, then they follow a procedure. But as you've pointed out, they've changed the goalposts so many times. Uh, and I, I think a lot of clubs are becoming a bit frustrated. Kilmarnock are now in the dock on this, saying that they've not followed protocols. They disagree. And it just seems that there, there, there has been no consistency throughout the whole thing. They seem to be making it up as they go, or shifting the goalposts as they go. Uh, and I'm not convinced that, say we get to Christmas, New Year, and this, this situation you know, continues and the, the season can't go on, I'm not convinced they would go down the same road that they went down last season if you know what I mean. And, and that's the issue. That's the consistency. Ross, what, what, how do you feel about it? Are you suspicious about, you know, this move by the SPFL? It, it does, given that we're not in the best terms of them, it does feel like there's manoeuvres being made in the background. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I actually I hadn't considered that point that, that Doogie made there about timing. You know, it, it it should have all been done before a ball was kicked this season. You know, I, I remember um, that when Celtic were handed the title, one of the, the sources that was cited was, well, you know, in, in France, they've already given the title to PSG. That's because the French League's, you know, constitution and, 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 and codified documentation surrounding the regulation and, and construction of that league is that if the league cannot continue, then whoever is top of the league at the point of cancellation will be given the title. Um, now, that's obviously very kind of brutish and, and, and not very sophisticated or, or, or nuanced, but at least there's like provision to do something. You'd have thought that they would at least have, have, have changed the structure of the league or changed the regulation of the league to put something, put some kind of clause like that in. Um, so the timing of it's really, really strange. As Dougie says, there were, there were three, three months to figure something out ahead of the new season. But I can actually see why the, why the SPFL, why the organisation and body would, would want to do something like this, would want to look like they're gathering fa- uh, sort of member feedback on this because they were accused of acting in self-interest last time. Right? They were accused of, of making things up as they go along. So if they can get a number of clubs saying, we should act in this way, then they can blame everything on the club. You know, whatever fallout, whatever controversy happens, well, the clubs voted for this. This is how the clubs wanted it. But so it, it, Ross, sorry to cut over there, would, would you even trust the SPFL board to use the, the, the data correctly? I mean, if they came out and said X amount of clubs said this, I don't know how I would even believe that. Well, that's, that's exactly the point. There has to be transparency. And transparency was the issue four or five months ago when, when Celtic were given the title. It was all around transparency. Remember when when there was the vote about what should we do with Big Bad Rangers? And should we should we allow them graciously to stay in our league as a favour or should we put them down to the third division? That was all public. Everyone knew the outcome of those votes. So the, to me, that's a precedent that, that you know, when, when the clubs are voting on this kind of thing, it has to be transparent and it has to be made public um, so that there can be no skullduggery in the background. Um, You'd, you would hope you would hope that the the intense scrutiny that the SPFL was placed under in the summer would sort of be enough of a lesson to them that they cannot carry on sort of with these backhand deals and and shady goings on behind closed doors. They have to be transparent with their public. They have to. There, there's too much at stake, uh, particularly this season. This season of all seasons, they have to they have to make sure that everything is whiter than white. So. Do I have any faith that they will do that? No, absolutely not. Not at all. These these questionnaires, these um, you know, these letters that have gone out to clubs asking for their feedback on what we should do should COVID take grip of the season. We we will never ever hear about these um, until the SPFL can use them in a way that would further their cause. Ross, that's a good point to interject. Um, have have we seen the questions that were asked in the questionnaire? No, I no, no, I've not seen them. No, there's, there's six. Let, let me read some of them out to you because I think they're they're good questions, but questions that should have been been asked before the season. So, so question number one is: um, clubs recently rejected a resolution that would have given the SPFL board powers to manage COVID-related disruption to the league program this season. Would you now support such a resolution if it were brought back to clubs? Number two. Would you give the SPFL board the power to award a 0-3 result against any team unable to play a fixture due to COVID? Number three, is it too early to take binding decisions on COVID? 
four, how many fixtures do you believe need to be completed for a season to be valid? Number five, would you give the SPFL board the power to call the season? And number six, would you give the SPFL board the power to void the season? Well, we were not told previously that void wasn't an option because there was so much sponsor money and you know that, that, what sponsor? that was well there was a sponsor there was you know well not sponsor money the prize money no you know, i don't the, club, the, the club the clubs would only get the prize money if you know there was there was official placings and that's the thing there's so much inconsistency and lack of transparency you know and you, you see, just see, uh, sorry on you go no i was gonna say see if it was me pre 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 the, the season kicking off I, I i would have wanted those decisions to be made you know, talking about forfeiting um, games, that should have been agreed beforehand so that you don't have scenarios where you've got the Aberdeen 8 um, allowing the game to be postponed and replayed at a future future time. I think it was a, the St Mirren game um, where they played against Celtic. Was it a Celtic game where their, their keepers were missing? Um, but the original fixture would have been played and their, their keepers would have been would have been fit. But the, the first game is yeah, postponed and the second well, game is played. Yeah, St Mirren were given 24 hours. I don't think it was against Celtic, but I think they played against Celtic a week or two after that. But they, they were given 24 hours to find a, a keeper. Yeah, you know what I mean? Which, I can't remember who they were playing against, but it, and, and now they're saying, oh, you know, the, the, what game was postponed yesterday? Was it the Hamilton game yesterday that was postponed? You know, no, so, they're, postponed, so they're, they're, they're postponing games now, whereas previously they were telling clubs, you need to go out and get players and it's up yeah. to you. You know, there's just there's there's no consistency, eh, as he's as he's both pointed out. There's no transparency over this. It just seems to me that they're making it up as they go along, and now they're asking clubs for feedback. And again, my biggest fear is will we see what what the club said? What club said what? I don't think we will. You know what I mean? And that's and I don't trust those three men, particularly eh, McLennan and Rod McKenzie. I do not trust them to do anything that would uh, be beneficial to Rangers. So the whole thing, I would like to see Rangers be at the forefront in this conversation to make sure that everything's above board. But I don't know. It just it just seems a bit, a bit bellboy to me. You know what I mean? My, my biggest concern right now is that Rangers haven't been impacted by COVID yet. Yeah, For me, right. it's only a matter of time before it happens. You know, we, we spoke about the Stramash at the end of the standard game. One of the players that was right at the forefront of that Stramash was was Maxime Listian. He's one of the three players that have tested positive following yeah. the Rangers game for standard. That's got to be a huge concern. You then look at the Scotland fixtures um, during international break. They travel to, to what? Um, Israel, Slovakia, Serbia. You know, it's, it's, it's inevitable that some players are going to contract COVID and the fact that we're still playing international games. I, I joked about the, um, the cup semi-final being played um, next weekend, the fact we're still playing last season's cup at a time where they're actually having debates about whether we'll be able to complete this season yeah. makes it all a mockery for me. Yeah, but you know why they're trying to finish that cup, though, don't you? You know what I mean? Uh, there's, 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 there's simple reasons for that. Guys, do we think before we move on to a quick preview of the Kelly, do we think that some of the clubs that voted against, you know, an independent uh, inquiry <laughs> into how the SPFL operate are regretting their vote now? Kilmarnock. <laughs> Ross I, I don't know I don't know that everything is too governed by self-interest I mean I'm actually sat here trying to work out how would I want Rangers to respond to that questionnaire like there's if, if you, even if you try and remove all element of self-interest if you're sort of if you're a team sat in fifth at the moment how the hell do you respond to that like 
how are you supposed to say I am happy to give them power to avoid the season or call the season or I, I, I honestly don't know what the answer is so in a way I feel sorry for for clubs who would be trying to make the, the right decision and that's before you get the inevitable pressure that we know has been put on club chairman over the last six months it's it's an absolute minefield to try and uh, and unpick that and, and pick the right thing to do. Um, what would be interesting? I would I would love for the res- the responses to this to be published, because I think you would see the the sickening amount of self interest from from Celtic. I'm convinced that they will be begging for this season to be voided. And well, that's 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 the point. You know, if we get to March. And the same thing happens. The same chairman, you know, that were leaned on last season to vote one way. If Rangers are in, a, a, you know, at the top of the table, they'll be getting leaned on to vote another way, surely. Well, exactly, exactly. And it's the the one thing that can stop all of this is transparency, and that seems to be the one thing that Scottish football governance is allergic to. Yeah, <laughs> well, kind of disagree with that, Ross. Uh, right, guys, conscious of time, so. Uh, a quick wee look at the Kelly game next week. Uh, Kelly, they're, they're sitting fifth at the moment. They lost the Habs yesterday, but it was quite a tight game uh, for, by all accounts. Stephen Gerrard's record there is, is a bit sticky. I'd put on the, the the agenda that he'd never won there, but actually he, he won that, that the first game of the season last season uh, with a late goal by Connor Goldson. But it is a ground that, that, that causes us uh, problems, artificial Pitch always causes us issue, guys. Uh, I'll come to you for Celtic not playing next week so that they can get their their quadruple treble or whatever it is they're on. Uh, so uh, we've got the chance to go nine points clear. Kelly, I'm not. I, you know, they're still a, a strong side. Uh, they're an awkward side, but they, they don't seem to be the same team that that, that was they were under Steve Clark. Surely this provides us an opportunity. To, to really put down a marker, one, to get a result there and just say, well, you know what, Kelly are no longer a bogey team, and, and two, to put more distance between us and, and Celtic. Yeah, Kelly don't seem like the same team, but neither do we. Um, absolutely, Kelly don't don't feel like the same team they were under Steve Clark, which which seemed to be our bogey team because of the, the, the way that they played. Um, but there's two things that come back to, to the way that we play football just now that makes it really different. Um, to, to last season. One is the personnel. I think we now have the personnel available to us that, that allows us to mix it up depending on the, the, the opposition and where we've struggled before to, to, to beat teams that, that, that play the low block against us. Um, I think we, we showed it today against Livy that we can change things. We've seen the low ball, for example, that was to how we against Celtic, for example. So I think I think the personnel allows us to to approach the game differently. But the biggest thing for me is that mentality. You know, you just spoke about the opportunity to go into the international break nine points clear ahead of our biggest rivals. And in previous campaigns, I would have been very nervous about that prospect, wondering whether our players can cope with that pressure. I think I think the mentality just feels very different right now. I don't know what it is. I don't know why things feel so different. You know, we spoke about Goldson and, and um, him chatting ahead of um, the standard game after the Celtic game, it just it just feels different just now. I think the two players you mentioned were Tav and Goldson. There's some players and our manager that just seem to have a bit of a grit between their teeth right now and, and just want to keep winning games. They're almost so consumed right now by, by winning title 55 
And for me, that's what it's all about. It's not about stopping um, 9.75 or 10 with an asterisk in a row. It's about Rangers winning our next league title, our first in 10 years. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of people right now at the club who who have been around for a long time now. Um, Stephen Gerrard is one of them. We, we're three years into his era. I, I think he's now ready um, to, to, to win the league. And, and this is a year. What about yourself, Ross? How are you feeling about next week? As a game that uh, we've had the fear about on previous shows, you know, going back over the last two two years. Yeah, it's it's not one that I ever particularly enjoy. I, you know, like you say, we've we've had bad memories there. Uh, we mentioned on the show a few weeks back. It was, it was either after Hamilton or after Livingston that plastic pitch is no longer an acceptable excuse for me. You know, we we have the exact same type of Astro at the training centre at Ockenhowie. Um, so it shouldn't be it shouldn't be an excuse about plastic pitch. Kilmarnock have players that just always seem to hurt us. They always have players that seem to do well against us. Um, they have one or two players. Chris, uh, Chris Burke this season seems to be in really, really good form every time we've seen him. Uh, Nicky Kabamba up front as well seems to be hurting teams at the moment. And I always just get, I always get nervous about Kilmarnock in the last four or five years. I mean, the worst ever. I remember Joe Worrell when he, he gave the ball away and, yeah. and conceded that goal. And I think since then, I just have nightmares about Kilmarnock. But, you know, Doogie makes a good point. They're not the same team, but more importantly, we're not the same team. And and we've spoken so much in the last three years about mentality on this show. And it something has changed. Something has well and truly changed. And yeah, no, I, I certainly feel more confident this week than I have done for probably for a number of years before going to rugby park. That's good. Hopefully it all it all goes well because, you know, we've played, what, 11 games, 12 games, only conceded three goals. Yeah, I think we should go into that game fairly confident. Guys, conscious of time, I think I think that's us. We've been through the agenda now and we've sort of ran over the hour a wee bit. Uh, so a big thanks to Ross and Doogie for their contributions tonight. Uh, great stuff as always. We're, we're, we'll be back next week to cover the Kilmarnock game, but we're hopefully going to try and get a, a preview show out midweek for the game on Thursday night, uh, the Europa League game against LS Poznan. In the meantime, get yourself on to the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Guys, as always, through, this, uh, through these strange times, pandemics and restrictions and all that kind of thing, stay safe, look after one another, uh, and until the next time, bye for now.